Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Brace yourselves for a noble horror, because the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program has returned. Yes, Nerdy Show's beloved RPG audio drama of black comedy and Lovecraftian horror is back with an all-new series, a chilling tale called The Terrible Secret of Lot X. Head to CthulhuMystery.com or find the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program wherever you procure fine podcasts. Succumb to the maddening call of Cthulhu. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeVere here, and we are back, back, back again. It is Wrath Month here in the year 2021, because fuck pride. It's all about wrath now, baby. All about wrath. I think that I think that uh, pride got canceled last year, and they said, you know what? We're just going to take it over with wrath, and we're going to make it work. And I like it. So I is like this it like, a lot. Is this like Be Gay Do Crimes Wrath or like Wrath of Con Wrath? Porque no los dos. <laughs> I, think, I, I think it's Brian Sims yelling at the Pennsylvania legislature. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I think it's all of the above, to be completely honest. In any which way that you can incorporate wrath into your life in the year 2021, it's a, I, I'm game for it. 1,000%. So I have a question real quick before we j- dive in. Um, for Pride, right? What is your pride like in your city? Because, you know, Eric's in Orlando, Pat's in Chicago. I'm in Seattle. Are any, and Orlando is weird because it's October, right? But for uh, Chicago, are they doing an in-person live thing or are they doing virtual? So we have opened up officially. Um, Our numbers are actually really good here in the city. Um, Whenever I check the weather uh, on that screen, it also tells us the COVID cases and deaths. So um, we, it's still here. 
So if you're if you're listening, bitches, COVID is still a thing. This pandemic is still going on, even though in some places, <clears throat> Florida, <clears throat> Texas, <clears throat> everywhere in the South, basically, um, where they don't give a rat's ass and haven't for a long time. Uh, this pandemic is still going on. There are variants that are still uh, sweeping parts of the world and even parts of our own country. Um, but our numbers are are pretty good. And they are doing some stuff in person. Pride in the Park will be going on this year on Pride Weekend, which is June 26th and 27th. And they had originally canceled our parade, which would have taken place that weekend. But they decided to have it in October, the first oh. weekend of October, October 3rd. So I will get to see my first Chicago Pride Parade this year. Yay. And it it stages right outside of my apartment building. So I'll get to see the setup. And depending on where we go to watch it, I'll, I'll get to see the parade. But they are doing in-person stuff. I, I'm sure that there are some virtual things that are going on. But um, for the most part... The clubs and bars have gone back to pre-COVID days because they are allowing only fully vaxxed people into the bars and clubs with proof of vaccination at the door. Nice. So, wow. yeah, it's uh, a very interesting must be, thing. Must be nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so, right? so Orlando, oh, well, let's hold off on Orlando. I'll let Eric show that good news. <laughs> Uh, so I was in San Diego a couple weeks ago. Same idea. Uh, not 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 a hundred percent. Like you know, show your card. Some people were just asking. Uh, they call it attestation. Like uh, you know, but basically similar idea where they would say, "All right, hey, yeah, we'll have a totally open. All you do it, whatever you want to do. Kind of no rules, no COVID rules. Uh, but you have to show proof or or you know whatever." Uh, I heard New York's doing it this way. I have friends who own the Rock Bar. Uh, I'm sure you saw Pat. Uh, they were doing a party, uh, Jason and I forgot who's the other guy who owns rock bar now, uh, with Tom. Jason, Tom. Yeah. They had a thing about like, welcome back, but it was the same idea. You had to show proof and Seattle's interesting. Cause we're not open, open yet. So our pride is still going to be virtual. Um, I think that Capitol Hill pride, Capitol Hill being the gay area here in, um, Seattle, they are doing an in-person sort of live uh, parade, but it's, you know, relatively small comparatively to the the huge crazy corporate whatever that is seattle pride uh which again will be virtual uh but i think they've even talked about doing some kind of in-person thing maybe later this year i don't know if they've firmed up details uh but yeah the whole show your proof thing is pretty uh pretty great i like it uh what's going on down in orlando eric <laughs> i don't go outside because people are dumb <laughs> um but you can do whatever the heck you want in Orlando and the greater state of Florida. Um, so Disney doesn't require masks anymore. And per the governor, you can't ask anybody to prove that they're fully vaccinated or not. So who the I heck know. knows? Fuck Ron DeSantis. Because now my, uh, on top of the fact that people are dying because of this, but my cruise that was supposed to take place in November, two weeks after my 40th birthday this year, got pushed back to April because that motherfucker, when it's all about whether or not they could not serve a fucking cake to a gay couple or discriminate against uh, trans people, oh, then businesses can do whatever they want. The government shouldn't interfere. But when it comes down to making sure that people are safe and healthy and that they're not going to spread disease on a fucking floating ship, 
then they can't ask for a proof of vaccination go fuck yourself DeSantis. it's so bad and and i didn't like i've i've relatively few conservative friends but i was talking and and some that i have that i know are vaccinated they're fine with it they believe in science but i talked to a colleague of mine who lives up here who i haven't talked to in a while and he's a trumper and i was kind of talking about oh yeah we'd love to come see you blah 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 you know they're over on the peninsula so it's kind of a, a hike uh i said yeah we just got vaccinated we're all good we'd love to see you and then he's like oh well you know we're trumpers we're not going to get vaccinated and i'm like why is it the why is that a correlation trump made the vax like his his administration did warp speed like they were the ones who who accelerated the fda approval for these vaccines i mean they didn't make the vaccine but they allowed you know they facilitated it whatever like so and trump's like championing you so so it has gone beyond what is even like normal like oh trump's just crazy and stupid and megalomaniac but now his followers do this shit when he doesn't even say to and and thinks otherwise it's so bizarre it's just yeah vaccine should not be um politicized i think is the uh the goal there a global pandemic shouldn't have been politicized and look yeah. where we're at a year and a half almost two years into from you know from when this virus first you know became a thing mm -hmm. like science should never be politicized and it is so incredibly politicized that it's ridiculous yeah but yeah so i'm excited for virtual pride i'm excited for real pride obviously i'm glad you guys are in cities that have opened up and i feel like uh, i think it's the end of june here we're going to be open again and uh excited to go see my fellow or fellow well <laughs> fellow drag queens i guess is kind of a stretch but my my friends that are now uh, out there in the drag world uh here in uh, seattle london bradshaw has dates at the timber room i think which is a cool little lounge and some other queens that i know so i'm very excited to go see real drag in person again uh not just the you know did the amazing digital drag which is still going on by the way uh and the uh, drive and drag that has been touring the country did anyone none, oh none of God. us went to that right I did. It was so cute. Oh, do you guys was Gottmik there and uh, the crew from the uh, thirteen? Gottmik was uh, Rose canceled after the oh. first night uh, or second night, maybe. She may have done two of the three days. Did they do what? Whatever. <laughs> we went on Sunday, so they were here. They started on Friday night in like torrential rain. So I'm glad that I was working on Friday, and we did not opt to go on Friday night because that would have been horrible um but then the funniest part about the whole thing was that they had a little like uh they had a local town like you know hometown pre-show and denali was one of the girls that they used for like the local talent pre-show <laughs> and i was like this bitch was on season 13 she's a rue girl how is she not like part of the main show right like, I mean, she was the last one to go. And there were only, like, two performances. Tenderoni, um, who is the reigning uh, Drag Queen of the Year pageant competition, pageant collection competition. I, whatever Alaska calls her competition. Um, who won, wait, wait, who, she won this year? Tenderoni, yeah. yeah. Okay, he, I was going to ask you who, who he's won. He's a is drag king. King, okay. Yes, Tenderoni. Um and Tundurani is from Chicago. So I was like, okay, cool, local. Uh, and I think there may have been one other performance. But then Denali comes out, sickening look, background, uh, backup dancers, does this whole mix, includes 100% pure love. Because that bitch could just come out and do that song. And I would be, I 
just done. I as she did her like, you know, the whole midnight and the clock thing. I was like, oh, I'm good. And I was like, okay, the show has started, but it's still like five minutes to seven. Like, how is it? What? And then there was a break and then the show started. And I was like, how the fuck do you have Denali on this ticket, but not make Denali part of the show? It was so weird. That's that is really unfortunate because she's amazing. So, but it it was a cute show. They they all did a number. It was a very quick show. It was only like an hour, maybe an hour and ten minutes, uh, with Asia O'Hara as the uh, the host, and uh, she did a production number at the beginning, which you could tell was built around Bianca Del Rio, who was the original host for Drive and Drag Saves uh, the World twenty twenty one. And the opening number was Super Cunt, and that's, that was her superhero thing. It was very superhero-themed, which is everything for our show. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they changed it to, like, Super Ho for Asia, because, you know, I don't know. Only mm-hmm. Bianca can get away with being called Super Cunt and, and not be offended. But it was a cute show. So if it comes to your, your town, uh, be prepared to spend a lot of money on a ticket, because the yeah, tickets are not cheap. But it's a very cute show, and go support the queens and uh, support your local queens, because uh, the pandemic hit the service and hospitality industry super hard over this uh, past year and a half. So, if you're going to go out, you're going to go and eat out, you're going to go and see a show, bring extra money to yes. tip these hoes. Tip them, be nice to them, because oh my god, it's hard, and make reservations. Because let me just tell you. With the service industry not quite recovered, with people maybe not, you know, rushing back to these high risk jobs, uh, you know, it, there are definitely going to be waits. And I, I found that out the hard way several times. So please be nice and make reservations. For sure. So happy Pride slash Wrath Month to everybody. Now on to the intros. I'm Pat DeVere. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. I do that. I hate that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, listen yeah. it happens and i mean it, it was segued right into what we were what we were talking about so nothing wrong with that and all the voices everybody has heard them they know them but i still like to when i don't when i don't personally forget to do the intros because i know like in a few episodes back i forgot to introduce everybody and we just started talking but i'm pat DeBear, and uh, i'm being joined on the east coast by eric hello the clear solid dulcet tones of eric i have to say and i said this on the when we were recording it the first time around but Eric's new setup is fantastic. Everybody can hear you so clearly, and it's so lovely to like have you so nice and crisp and clear on the show, Eric. Now, if you would only fucking stream on Twitch, like we keep on promoting, <laughs> it'd be amazing. <laughs> and on the West Coast, uh, doing an extra early start time for this recording, we got Brian. Ugh. <laughs> Listen, I didn't even have to. I, that's not even my soundboard, y'all. That was straight up. It's the same every time. I did not love getting up but it's like 9 a.m so it's not like it's that early here but and i get up usually earlier than this but man this morning was rough i just did not want to get out of bed but i'm here and welcome to the best coast it's sunny out in seattle today i know that'll surprise a lot of you but it is beautiful and lovely (laughs) trust i i i wasn't sleeping in late when i wasn't working during the pandemic um because i didn't really keep like a late schedule and then I started working this job, and the last couple of days I've been up extra early to get in, uh, even earlier than normal. I've worked, I put in some OT because we have a new customer and, at Wrigley Field, and we've been doing all this stuff. And I've been the, like the main person responsible for recruiting people for this um, this job, so I've been doing a lot of extra time. 
And then today I was like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm for nine. I'm going to let myself sleep in a little. I was in bed by like 11.15 last night and I was up at 5.30 this morning. And I was like, what the fuck? No, this is not happening. And then fell back asleep until like 6.45, 7 o'clock. And I was like, I guess this is what my life is right now. (laughs) So I've been up and uh, ready to chat pop culture with y'all. And uh, we are going to talk about a couple of topics that are uh, intriguing us, delighting us, entertaining us, or are just topical. Uh, I think all of our topics this time around are things that we uh, have found enjoyment in. You know, sometimes I like to just throw a topic out there that I want to bitch about. But um, there is one topic that we'll get to. It'll probably be late, but uh, I know I am brought up Sailor Moon uh was it eternal sailor moon eternal okay i am so excited and i know um joel uh, one of our our dear friends and listeners watched and like almost like live tweeted (laughs) through the movie and i'm like i want to watch it so badly but i have not had the time to sit down i had to watch my topic twice because i fell asleep halfway through the first time not because i was bored but because i've been so tired (laughs) I mean, I watched Sailor Moon because I thought you would have, so we could have discussed it. But I know maybe we'll do maybe we'll do that as a micro, and we'll uh, we'll chat Sailor Moon because I definitely need to watch it. I'm so excited to get more of this uh, Sailor Moon transformation gorgeousness because I do love the the new animation and the new art that they started with Crystal and are doing with Eternal. So we'll talk about it soon. But uh, I know that Joel probably would be excited and think that I would talk about it. So I'm just going to throw it out there that I did not get a chance to watch it yet. I started it too. And so hopefully by the time I finish it and you watch it, we'll all have a a chance to talk. Yes. Maybe we'll do that as our, well, I think it deserves, and I know BJ watches Sailor Moon as well. Maybe that'll be our next uh, micro. We'll do a little Sailor Moon uh, hot goss. I'm just going to steal more from uh, Ray oh, Chaser. God. I'm going to steal as much as I can. I will say this before I throw it to our first topic. I was listening to Hot Goss on my way home yesterday. And they are putting out a new podcast that when this podcast drops, it will have already been out for a week. It starts on Monday, the 14th of June called Pageant Pod, where they're going to be talking about they're going to highlight each of like the major pageants in the States including Miss Continental, Miss Gay US of A, Miss Black Universe, all of these. with Because uh, a lot of the Drag Race girls have all been title holders and all that. Although I really would love to see um, our, our, our good friend Miss Chantal Roche involved in the Miss Continental uh, conversation, at least for the Miss Continental Elite portion, uh, as she is a former uh, Miss Continental Elite 2015. But uh, when they were talking about the podcast, they said... Uh, or they were talking about, no, 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 I'm sorry, not that podcast, but they were talking about like all the mom podcasts that they've put out. And they were talking about Brooklyn Heights and Priyanka's uh, new show that came out. And they said something, they said that they uh, were doing a pop culture roundup. And I was like, bitch stole my line. I know we steal from you, but bitch, you stole my line. <laughs> so let's get into our very own pop culture roundup with our uh, our first topic. Brian, why don't you kick us off? 
So I have not, well, it's funny. I've been watching a lot of random things, but I haven't been watching them for like through to fruition to fruition. I haven't completed anything, but that's not unusual. But uh, last night, because I knew we were going to record, <laughs> I finished, I finished a series that's on the BBC and you may have heard about it. It's actually for those of us in the States, it's in, uh, it's on HBO max uh, called ghosts. Have any of you seen ghosts? And I mean the show, not in real life. I mean, didn't was... Whoopi Goldberg uh, win an Oscar for that? <laughs> yeah, they they not uh, people don't realize <laughs> that there was a sequel to Ghost called Ghosts. It was actually directed by Jim uh, James Cameron, and totally very different from Ghosts, but featuring a uh, you know a return of Whoopi Goldberg. Now, um, I was say, nobody said Molly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Newt. Newt, you're in danger, girl. <laughs> Grabbed the kid and ran. Um, so no, no. So Ghosts is a, uh, a sitcom on BBC. Uh, it is by a group of uh, comedians that sort of have like a troupe in the sort of the Monty Python, uh, Kids in the Hall sort of idea where they're all kind of, uh, you know, same actors, uh, sometimes playing different characters, but it's sort of sketch comedy-ish, but with a, a linear plot, very straightforward kind of story. Um and this group, and there's so many people in the group, I'm not going to try to name all the names. And I don't know if most people in the States would have heard of them unless they've heard of ghosts. Uh, but they did shows called like Horrible Histories and Yonderland on BBC and Sky uh, a while back. They were more like kids comedies, but they were like kid, like, uh, you know, a sort of a mature kid uh, comedy. Um, but pre-watershed, meaning it didn't have any uh, ex- explicit, any any like you know naughty content that had to happen before, like that that certain time in the evening when the kids go to bed. If that makes sense. That's what watershed. Uh, you you hear that term used or whatever. Safe harbor, I think they call it in the states too. But yeah, so ghosts is about a couple who uh, the 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 woman inherits a house unexpectedly, and this is a giant British. Uh, upstairs, downstairs, like just giant sort of house, uh, mansion. Uh, we call it a mansion. They call it what? I don't know. A state, a state house, I think. Um, anyway, so a large house. They inherit it. She and they go in. They want to convert it to like a bed and breakfast or a small hotel, whatever. Uh, she, through uh, circumstances that are uh, explained in the show, uh, she falls and hits her head, and she wakes up and she can suddenly see dead people. Uh, a la uh, uh, was it Haley Joel Osmond? <laughs> uh, so now they go back to the house and they realize that there is a house full of dead people that they are now living with. Now the husband or the the boyfriend, I think, can't see them. Uh, it's just the the female character. Um, and and it's it's uh it's it's the troupe of of comedians that they play all these dead people is really the the highlight of the show. The, the premise is whatever. The, the the main character, the woman, is Charlotte Ritchie, who, if you're not familiar with her, you've probably seen her in other things. Um, she was on a Netflix, I think, uh, it's, a, it's not a sketch comedy, but it's about a comedian who's sort of non-binary. Um, I can't think of the name of the show off the top of my head, but uh, she was in a Doctor Who uh, Christmas special, actually, or New Year's special. She played the... The woman who unfortunately was turned into a, a, a Dalek, a kind of being controlled by the Dalek. Um, she's been in a bunch of other stuff. So you've seen her pop up a lot. But um, the, the again, the real tr- joy is the comedy troupe. And so a lot of it is just social interactions between these dead characters, including like, you know, this caveman, uh, a scout, a Boy Scout or equivalent troop leader from the 80s. 
a very sort of Trumpian politician in England from like the like late 80s or 90s conservative. Um, we've got um, a World War II uh, general. I think he's captain, actually. Uh, we've got a uh, uh, Edwardian uh, like baroness or something. We've got a couple other random characters. We've got a witch who was burned, uh, not in Salem. This is all in, in England. So it's a really interesting cast of characters. There's a tutor who uh, loses their head. So half the, the jokes with this character is his head is just laying somewhere around and then the body is kind of trying to find him. Um, they, they said their influence is like Black Adder, which, I mean, that's my sweet spot. If you, if you, if you ask me what one of my favorite British comedies, like what are Black Adder, Rowan Atkinson by uh, Richard Curtis is, is, is top of the list, like one of the top lists uh, of the list. So uh, it's very much in that sort of vein as far as sort of, you know, it's funny. Some of it's witty. A lot of it's just sort of gag based, you know, the probably my favorite gag of this whole series though, is there's like a basement and uh, the characters go down to the basement to fix like the boiler, you know, the boiler room, whatever. And there is just this uh, like 10 uh, really dirty, kind of poxed uh ridden group of people just standing there and their plague sir their plague uh dead they're their plague ghosts basically so people who died in the plague and were buried on this uh estate in the basement uh that's these characters and they just stand there and they kind of make comment comments uh, like like the one boyfriend is like he's trying to fix the boiler and they're like that's not gonna work they're like yelling at him about no no you gotta hit the button you can't you gotta hit the button like they've been there since they died and watching people fix the boiler so they've learned uh, so that so I love that like dry ridiculousness of of the play ghost and it's the same actors who play the ghosts upstairs and these different characters play the plague ghosts too so it's probably one of my favorite moments is when they show up um, so anyway, long story short, it's like, you know, six or seven episodes. They've done two series. They're doing a third coming up. They did a Christmas special. They actually still do Christmas specials. I found out Doctor Who may have left the fold and done its own weird shit recently. But the British shows still do Christmas specials, which I was very happy about. Um, I I think that this will appeal to a lot of people who like British comedy, but it is not something that is inherently British. Like you can watch the show and totally, totally get everything they're talking about. A lot of pop culture references. And it's, it's great because they reference the period when they died and then they realize that those are dated references and they're trying to like learn. So, so as the, the main character is interacting with them, she is teaching them things. She is allowing them to sort of learn about the world. She helps them get closure on some of the things that they've been dealing with since they died or when they died, you know, uh, they explore their backstories and all that. Um, great show, really well received right now. Um, very popular. Of course, then what does that mean? America is going to adapt it here. Uh, CBS ordered, uh, originally ordered a pilot. Now they're going to see it full series by the producers. Oh my God. I, I got to tell you this by the producers of such failed hits as the American it crowd. Did you know that there was an American it crowd, by the way? I mean, there yeah. was a pilot, right? It was just a pilot. It did not go further. Do you know who played the main character? They had Richard Iota. I, 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 I can never say his name. It was Joel McHale, right? It was Joel McHale. Yeah. I just, yeah back i was like oh my god so so it's the same people who brought you that um and some other stuff like uh the, their biggest claim to fame is joe, joe wiseman and joe port uh they did the new girl which was very popular so admittedly new girl great they did zoe's extraordinary playlist which i heard was really good but i never watched and evidently it didn't last uh i think it, i think it's still on 
Uh, it, I mean, it got canceled after season two. Oh, okay. uh, gotcha. But, but it may get saved by Peacock, as a Peacock-only series. I don't know. Well, it's on the bubble, let's just say. Uh, but they did, you know, I remember, Pat, we watched this. The crazy ones with Robin Williams, like his last big thing he did before he died with him and sarah michelle geller right yeah and i actually remember liking that show um oh i don't my think, god yeah yes i don't think it was entirely successful in certain ways it was awkward um but yeah it didn't do well and me myself and i which had john larroquette and i again i think that lasted two seasons so they don't they don't have a great track record for shows in, in general but again it's like well, i mean i get why you adapt this especially in this case because the characters the archetypes are not American, they're very British archetypes, like the Tudors, um, World War II, you know, Lieutenant Captain, whatever. I mean, I get it, but like, if you go out now and look up the pilot or the the trailer for the series or whatever for Ghosts in America, it looks like it will last not even a whole season. Like they're making a season, I am going to be amazed if it makes it like all the way through. Uh, it just looks bad. It looks bad. It does not translate, which is really a shame. But like how many like The Office was like one of the major exceptions that actually did better than the British series. Like it just doesn't happen. These British series are so special, like make a deal to show them. Don't reinvent it if you don't have a better idea. And I, I feel like this this uh, adaptation is, is going to be like that anyway. Uh, in, in, in related to queer storylines, because we should at least touch on that. There is a very nice queer ish storyline going on with one of the characters uh, I won't say which. It's not a huge spoiler. You find out pretty early that there's this kind of overtone, but they have not yet fully committed to it. You just kind of get the hint that he's like frustrated and longing for being out. Uh, but because he's a ghost, he's kind of stuck in that hole, whatever. Um, so that that's a that's a nice little queer, uh, you know, storyline that's in that. Uh, but yeah, other than that, man, it's just it's just comedy. It's just so funny. It's 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 one of the lighter British comedies I've seen in a long time. Like. You know, if you think of Fleabag as like a, a British comedy, which is it's like a dramedy, I guess. I don't know. This is much, much lighter. And people, I think, right now are kind of wanting that kind of show more than uh, dark and uh, depressing to some extent. Uh, but it's still really good. So uh, I would check Ghosts out. Again, on HBO Max, they got both series and the Christmas special up. Um, yeah, check it out. I, when you were talking about the Tudor ghost and the whole like... Uh the head and body being separated as like kind of two parts of one character. It just made me think of floating head doctor from scrubs when JD would (laughs) talk about being in two places at once. And then he would drift off and it'd be floating head doctor and his head would be in talking to a patient and he'd be like body. And like his body would come flailing in and like hit the door jam or like, you know, flounder around or he was talking about taking, um, uh, Elizabeth Banks's uh, character, I can't remember. She was the mother of his child. Uh, but he was talking about like taking her on a date. And he was like, I will, t- you know, we'll be out of karaoke while Bonnie's at home making dinner. And you just see like this headless body like floundering around and like setting shit on fire because <laughs> he has no head. It's you know, like that's the type of humor that gets me. So it, I'm, it's, I'm, you, I'm you'd like it then. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. The jokes are very, um, you know, gaggy, you know, kind of thing. Uh, it was like very yeah. Scrubsy because Scrubs yeah, I... had a lot of that uh, sight gag and uh, very slapsticky type yes. of shtick, and uh, yeah. So I mean, I would be down for it, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right with series, scripted series, 
British imports don't necessarily do as well over here. Um, the office, like you said, being a major exception for uh, basic cable, uh, shameless being uh, imported yes. over for Showtime, I believe yep. it's on. Yep, that's on Showtime. That's yeah. lasted uh, like seven or eight seasons. Nine if, seasons just nine? ended. Yeah. Gotcha. I was like, I knew it was up there. Um, but there, it is very few and far between for these shows to come over. Reality competitions, on the other hand, get ported over and work well. You know, Pop Idol turning into American Idol, um, uh, Strictly Come Dancing turning into Dancing with the Stars. Like, there is definitely a much easier transition for reality competitions than there is for scripted series to make their way over here, for sure. So that is Ghosts on HBO Max. I'm gonna have to check it out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go back and revisit. Uh, speaking of shows that are are had longevity or some sort of longevity and are coming to a close, Issa Rae just posted that she they just finished filming the last season of Insecure, and I am so sad, but I'm so excited to watch it when it comes out. Didn't we just get the, the Issa Rae is gonna be in a Marvel property? Was yeah, that the, she's. Spider Woman, right? Spider Woman, that's right. In the new um, Into the Spider Verse, yes, yeah, yeah. We got her, and then uh, Jamila Jamil was just announced as having a big role in uh, She Hulk for Disney Plus. All my, all these, all these peoples are just getting roles in more great things, and I'm excited for it. Uh, that was just a tangent that spun out of what we were talking about. There. <laughs> don't mind my tangents there may be a few there's less of us on the show today there's well, more room for tangents there is a there is a, a natural segue here with disney plus then i will go next yes we will segue into me i usually don't go in the middle of the uh the episode but i will talk about our next topic spinning off of the disney plus conversation and uh hbo max tangent since we were talking about hbo max and jamila jamil um legendary this season pretty damn good the houses the the spectacle of it all fantastic i know there's a lot of upset about certain house going home i have not watched the most recent episode slash episodes i don't know how many they put out and if we've finished the season yet but um they've done a lot of great work this season and there's a lot of amazing things and a uh, shout out to indirect friend of our podcast uh, by way of our friend chrissy and obviously the continental system uh, Bastasha Sanchez is the house mother for the house of Comme de Garçon. And uh, they've been doing well. She's been looking fierce as fuck on the show. And I believe she's actually still the reigning Miss Continental because she won it in 2019 and we haven't had a Continental pageant since then. So this uh, Labor Day weekend, all four titles go back up for grabs uh, for Mr. Miss Elite and Plus. So... Darcel Stevens will have to give up her crown finally. <laughs> longest running, uh, longest consecutive reign for a Miss Continental Plus, I believe. But uh, from that to Disney Plus, my topic is Loki. Loki is an American television series created by Michael Waldron for the streaming service Disney Plus. It's based on Marvel Comics, uh, featuring the character of the same name, set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe although a slight deviation of it. Uh, it shows continuity with the first films of the franchise and takes place after the events of the film Avengers Endgame from 2019, in which an alternate version of Loki created a new timeline. Loki is produced by Marvel Studios, with Waldron serving as head writer and Kate Heron directing the first season. Tom Hiddleston reprises his role uh, as Loki, 
Um, it also stars Gugu Babatha Raw. If I messed that up, I apologize. Anybody that knows how to pronounce that properly, if I didn't say it right. Womni Mosaku, Eugene Cordero, Pillboy, my favorite uh, cameo of the entire thing. Uh, Tara Strong as the voice of Miss Minutes and Owen Wilson as Agent Mobius. So we are one episode in. They have shifted the new release date for their shows with this one. We had WandaVision as the first uh, Phase 4 Marvel Studios television release. Came out on Fridays. Uh, then it was followed up by the, the Falcon and The Winter Soldier, which also released on Fridays. Loki, the god of mischief that he is, said, fuck Fridays. I'm going to come out on Wednesday. And we got our first episode on Wednesday. It is... A very interesting... I think the first episode was a little bit of a slog. um, Only because they have to build... like They're trying to set so much of this up, but repurpose so much footage that we've seen before. Where the first two series to come out for Phase 4 really just kind of threw you in and said, okay, you know what the game is. Run. And just they it just started. And it was like, hey... You'll catch up if you if you haven't been watching all 475 hours of Marvel property before this, get to work and come back when you're ready. <laughs> this show started out showing you basically what happened during Endgame and leading up into um, Loki being apprehended by the Time Variant Association, uh, the TVA, Time Variant Association. The TVA wants to rectify what they what is being referred to now as the sacred timeline. There was a multiversal incident, a multiversal war that apparently took place at some point in the past. And uh, the keepers of time stepped in and took everything and smoothed it into one sacred timeline, which is a beginning, middle, and end of everything in creation. So they know what you did, where you're at, what you're going to do, and they want to keep it as one stream. So it's interesting. We so I, I did double check. It's authority. TVA is ah, authority. Top. I knew well, I knew what was yeah. wrong with it. <laughs> Association makes sense, but really, it's like they're an authority. Um, So so the theory I have, even though there's a there's a fantastic little cartoon that they use to explain all this backstory as far as the um, the TVA's history, uh, the theory is since TVA kind of exists outside of time, that when they say that there is this multiversal war in the past, that's actually current timeline Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's actually going to happen in the future. Well, because the biggest Easter, not not even Easter egg, it was laid out for you right there, was when they were talking, when this, this adorable cartoon was being played with Miss Minutes uh, narrating for us. It said that uh, having a variant that cr- creates this timeline, it causes a nexus event. And... Uh, then it, it did something with madness and then multiverse. It was like, wait a minute, let's rearrange this. Okay, Wanda with her Nexus commercial and then Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, y'all aren't even trying to hide this shit no more. <laughs> well, we kept having these theories that, you know, all this stuff would happen in in um, in WandaVision. WandaVision. That would set and up. The, oh, my God. And then the gifts from the devil, the, the fucking stained glass. I was like, Mephisto's here. Mephisto's here. Yeah. All these theories. And I mean, certainly, is this a theory? And is this confirmed? Yes, the theory. We can't confirm it yet. <laughs> my other favorite Easter egg, and I don't know if you were going to. I don't know if anybody else saw this. That's why I'm going to say it, because I don't know if this is obvious. So the three heads that were in the um, in the courtroom. whereas you going to say Living Tribunal? Yes. Okay, good. So we're on the same page with that. <laughs> yes. Because the Living Tribunal's heads don't necessarily look exactly alike like that. And they're never represented separately. They're always, you know, three on the same body. But as I'm watching this and these these gods that are like uh, the, the lords of the sacred timeline, I'm like, you're Living Tribunal. And then the fact that it was literally in a tribunal, you know, in a court case, like, I'm like, I really hope that this is a subtle reference to Living Tribunal. I mean, I don't think we're going to see the Living Tribunal show up in this. It'd be amazing. But I d- definitely got the nod and I, I appreciated it. I I am really starting to feel like they, after this number of years, that they have really kind of decided that, hey, we can take some of this absurd, like, the really absurd parts of Marvel comics and make them real and actually utilize the, the outrageous part, like things and make it and people will be okay with it. So I would not be, I would not be surprised if the living tribunal is incorporated. Um, I would love to see like, I know that they used ego, but like if there was some way to like kind of incorporate that and actually have Kurt Russell come back, not as like Kurt Russell, but actually have like the planet version of ego be a thing. And like, now that they, now that it feels like they are okay with taking those chances and making it ridiculous. Um, you know, the mention of nightmare or like, or, uh, um, not nightmare necessarily as the character, but when, um, agent Mobius and Loki were walking and, um, like the, the way that he said, you know, that's a nightmare or like, he when he was when Loki was talking about burning everything down, like it just kind of felt like a nod to the character of Nightmare, um, the you know the 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 devil bearing gifts and like the stained glass and again it's kind of fun to just joke about Mephisto being this like through line and this thing that we we joke about after WandaVision that everything is going to be revolving around Mephisto, but to have those little nods and these things that could potentially be would have been seen as ridiculous five, six, seven years ago and that Marvel would never do it or even that uh, superhero properties in general wouldn't because they wanted to make them so grounded. That's why the X-Men are all in leather in the 2000s, you know, uh, movies. And to see them shy away from playing it safe and really leaning into the absurd makes me so happy. Um, Once the show started going, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more seeing loki's never i've never been a huge like oh my god loki is the most awesome character in the mcu i do enjoy him i do enjoy the way that they play off of him he is one of the few villains that was fleshed out that was given some sort of agency and some sort of reasoning behind what he was doing even if it didn't always make sense but they still try to give him more than just he's the evil version of this character not necessarily a movies issue more so that's a comic book issue because the villains are 
usually the evil version of the hero that they're played up against. So you have, um, you know, uh, it, it's been the case for everything. In all the Iron Man movies, it's, oh, well, there's a bad guy that just has a, you know, a tech suit or, you know, Ant-Man and then, you know, having a yellow jacket. And it, it's just the evil version of it. Where in the comics, you can kind of play off of that because you you have you're not constrained by time and budget and you can have them do all of these ridiculous things and have all of this time to explore the the backgrounds for these. Where in the movies, you have a movie and you move on. So to see Loki continue and get this type of growth and then to have him basically watch the film strip of his life through to his death and see that impact him and change him and to see that that change in his in his mind of like okay this is where i'm thinking that i'm gonna become this great ruler of the world and my life is ended because of this one thing you know or it it leads to kind of abject failure and and death at the hands of thanos um it really gave me a little bit more of a feel for loki as a character and while I will never not say that Tom Hiddleston is not an attractive man, he's never been the one that I'm just sit there and I fawn over. But I will say when that robot, which was one of my favorite things in the entire show, just that weird robot with the four arms and the the, the <laughs> digital face, when that robot took such joy in deteriorating Loki's clothing. That, that, that fine Asgardian leather. <laughs> did you see the smile <laughs> on that robot's face <laughs> when it got to zap his clothes off and it was like mm-hmm. that was that was pretty damn funny and honestly tom hiddleston shirtless on the show i was not mad about at all but it was it was interesting and it definitely the show after you got through the first maybe 10 minutes of kind of like the backstory and the lead up to where we were going with it, it kept up a pace that kept me enjoying it and kept me uh, hooked on watching the show. And I sometimes have a bad habit of starting to play my phone games while watching television. And I managed to be engaged enough to want to see what was going on. And I don't, I don't want to typecast Eugene Cordero, but I only know him as Pillboy, and he will always be Pillboy. And even in the way he's acting in this show, it's just a it's like a time variant of Pillboy, and I live for it. I absolutely live for it. Eric, did you watch uh, the first episode of Loki? I did. Um, I liked it a lot. I liked the very uh, Mad Men chic aesthetic of the tv um i like i like how each of these tv shows that are coming out is such a character study and already in the first episode you had them completely breaking down loki in that he has to realize i'm not in control i'm really at a loss here and i'm kind of powerless in this situation he goes through so many kind of existential crises um, from the first one being, am I a robot? Am I going <laughs> to yeah. melt as I walk through this metal detector? <laughs> um, to 
oh my goodness, it was so glorious when he looked in the drawer after getting back the Tesseract and, oh yeah, we get Infinious Stones all the time and they're just used as paperweights here. <laughs> like, realizing that, oh my gosh, this, this place does hold true power. Like, And then um, when he gets to see the rest of his life, and it's really interesting that this is the first time that we're not in kind of present time with a character as they're living their life, that this is someone that we know more information about their life than they do, at least in the moment that this is happening. Obviously now this is going to become the true Loki, I feel, for the rest of Marvel, unless something happens and he does get reset at the end of this TV series. Well, surprisingly, and as I was, I was reading... Um... The, the wiki entry for it, a second season is in development. This is one of the first shows that Disney Plus has created with Marvel TV that there is talk about a second season. This could this definitely does serve as a show that that lives in a in a realm where a second season can happen. WandaVision was a very specific story that was being told. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, especially now that he's not the Falcon anymore. Uh, was a very specific story being told for those two characters. This has the blueprint for longevity for a, a multi-season arc or arcs for the show. Um, I mean, yeah. this could, this could be the American Doctor Who. It really could. It, it really. Could. I mean, it, it, exploring all of time and space. I mean. Well, and, and what's funny is it, it gave me very Legends of Tomorrow in the whole setup, which because of uh, Rory playing uh, the you know a pivotal character in that gave me very much Doctor Who. So it's kind of like six degrees of separation of Who. It's it's a very uh, yeah it's very like uh, retro tech in the in the in the set dressing of of the TVA. The TVA by the way is a real Marvel thing. It is not yeah. something I, I know I had not heard much about it. You don't see them pop up very often and it does feel a lot like the basis for Legends of Tomorrow which is the uh, Rip Hunter and the Timekeepers. Yes. Uh, it, it's like they're, I mean, Marvel and DC steal from each other constantly and they all steal from pulp and doctor who has been stolen from many times over. So yes. Uh, but it, it is so delightfully retro. Um, well, I think except the- for, uh, chrono city, which very much felt Gallifreyan. Yes. Which then again, uh, you know, gave that doctor who feel, which that was gorgeous. Like the, just the visuals on that was gorgeous. But I think even that was going for, do you remember seeing the the like the depictions of Epcot, and, and if you ever went to like Tomorrowland and Disney and the, the cities of Tomorrow? Yeah, it's it's very retro future. Yes, that's what I think. I think interior wise, a hundred percent across the board, very seventies. Uh, I think of like Logan's Run is a great example of that retro future sort of look. Uh, and I'd love to know where they shot this. I'm sure some of it was sets, but I know that there's some of it that had to be like probably was like a real place that they found and they went oh my god it's perfect but um yeah that city that vista it's, it's just insane but again it's so it's such a bubble like you were saying this is kind of tying it back it's such a bubble in marvel that you could use this narrative with a very 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 likable villain uh loki uh you know and a villain in, in a complicated way a very marvel villain uh to explore eras of marvel's history 
and sort of to right the wrongs in that episodic kind of way, but still tell this interesting story that we may or may not spoil. I don't know if we've decided if we're going to spoil the the sort of the twist at the end, but like, like that whole idea of being able to jump around in Marvel's continuity is really, really delightfully promising. And, and other than like the, what if show they're doing, which is a different thing, right? That's that's, that is exploring the variants, exploring the multiverse in certain ways uh, differently. But this show has a lot of great potential and I, I definitely enjoyed it. I do think that it was a little, heavy in the exposition because you kind of have to get a lot of that out of the way and there's a lot going on but man owen wilson as as mobius and i don't know the actress but she was um the sister in lovecraft country she plays like the the main captain of the the minutemen which is kind of a you know cute little jokey thing there but like the guard the enforcers uh and all the time travel gyrations with that little time twister like doctor who influenced but like so many other cool sci-fi time travel gimmicky stuff uh in that so it, yeah i loved all of it and that was uh one me musako is the actor uh, the actor that you're referring to um i the i agree with you on the getting to explore different parts of like the the mcu's timeline but i love that and i know we're only one episode in i'm not sure i don't know if it lists how many um episodes that are going to be in this season because like WandaVision had nine uh, and we had uh, Falcon Winter Soldier only had six. So I'm not sure if they're going to kind of go in that like eight sweet spot or if they're going to go a little more with this one. Um, oh, six episodes. I apologize. It says it right here at the beginning. I didn't read all the way through. Uh, so six episodes. So this will hopefully pick up the pace a bit going into episode two. But what I love is that as they are chasing down this anachronism uh, and this variant, I don't want to get it too conflated with uh, Legends of Tomorrow, <laughs> but they, um, all of the times that are being kind of looked at in this first episode are not connected to anything we've seen within the MCU, uh, or they are conf- uh, loosely conflated with like real american history like the db cooper thing like i like that they have not yet really kind of crossed their own path or crossover into things that we've already seen and done but that it's like here are other things that have been affected because of things like things these characters have done so it was cute to see that not happen yet but it'll be fun to watch it unfold and maybe after we get through the hunting down of this extremely uh, deadly variant. We won't spoil that yet because, I mean, you probably see it coming a mile away. I'm sure I'm not one that's usually very good at seeing things coming a mile away. I saw this one, but we'll leave it be uh, until we talk after because, you know, as we do with these shows, we talk about it after the first episode and then do a micro once it's uh, once it's all said and done. But, well, I mean, there, there there are theories that the person they're hunting isn't who the show says they're hunting. That wouldn't surprise me. And, that wouldn't surprise that, me. In that this could be the reveal of Kang the Conqueror. Hmm. Um, it, I, maybe it's Mephisto. I mean, it could be. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was Satan on that window. <laughs> I, the devil was bearing gifts. The devil was bearing gifts. I still need to watch, because I, I know I did not... I barely caught any Easter eggs. Um, again, this is delving into parts of Marvel comics that I'm not as familiar with. Uh, so I need to go find one of those like 20 minute Easter egg videos 
that tells me everything that I missed, like all 70 Easter eggs that are in there. Because I feel like the, the blueberry gum, which I'm sure is something. Apparently, Agent Carter was a time variant and was walked through the TVA in the background at some point. Oh. Um, and also, I... it, in that drawer, I only focused on the Infinity Stones. So I do need to go back and see what else is in that drawer because I'm sure that is full of fun stuff. Absolutely. And that's why I love the fact that there's people out there that this is what they do. They comb through frame by frame of these shows and create 20, 30 minute videos. I would like it condensed down just a little bit, but you know, I'll take what I can get because I don't have the time nor the patience to like find these obscure references, but they're awesome. So that, and I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to see more Marvel properties. Um, as we're going to get next month, we've got black widow, actually our first Marvel film coming to theaters uh in what a year and a half like that's going to be fantastic we've got the eternals coming up there's just lots of great marvel on the horizon and i am i'm stoked about it so i highly recommend checking out loki on disney plus uh if you don't have it sign up for a free subscription you know free trial uh in a couple of weeks and then binge watch wandavision um the falcon of the winter soldier and loki and get yourself ready for lots more marvel coming up in the near future. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Before we continue on with our show, we want to say thank you to all of you for listening to us go on and on for the last 10 years. Flame On just celebrated its 10th anniversary. We had a live stream extravaganza that aired live on uh, YouTube, I believe our Facebook channel. Uh, make up on our Instagram chat. It's been everywhere. It's on Brian's Twitch channel. Um, it, I, I don't know how long Twitch keeps videos up there anymore. I think it might be a week. It might be a little bit longer. But um, check out our YouTube channel for sure because I know the video lives there. And it was released uh, as is. I didn't do any editing for the audio because we were uh, we wanted to get it up as soon as possible. But it is our the last ep- the previous episode. I almost said the last episode. The previous episode in our feed is our 10th anniversary live stream house party. Uh, we had past and present hosts come together. We talked about 10 years of Flame On, where we're headed in the future, and uh, unveiled our new Patreon levels. So um, if you would like to go check out all of Flame On, wherever you want it, on social media, if you want to check out our Threadless shop, then uh, head over to flameonshow.com. And if you would like to 
check out our new Patreon tiers, you can do so. Or if you're a first time Patreon subscriber, head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and check out the brand new tiers. We have the sad, sad tier of a clown. Uh, the name come up with by our uh, honorary guest host, Miss Ginger Minge, during our super long uh, Drag Race recap from a while back. Um, we have our Fantastic Four tier. We have our CC Stir Six. There's lots of S's. I didn't make Brian say it this time. Our CC Stir Six level. And then the House of X or the House of Ten. However you want to pronounce it. I'm fine with either way. But go check those out. And um, we had a couple of our current patrons transfer over and upgrade uh, or move their their Patreon tr- uh, contribution to a new level. So I want to start with our first, give a huge uh, shout out, our on-air shout out, and you will see your uh, social media shout out very shortly. Uh, our first one is Rodolfo. Rodolfo, thank you so much for being a patron. This is your shout out. We love you. We love that you've been um, a fan of ours from the early days and have been such a great fan and supporter. And right now here, as our one of our new perks, here is BJ, who uh, recorded these especially for today because he wasn't going to be able to be on the show. Here is your absolutely, totally personalized, yet completely random, horoscope from bj aquarius time to seize the day it's time to go out and experience new things while also remaining vigilant remember new things can sometimes be fun they can be nice but new things are also things sometimes they could have multiple eyes sometimes they could look like people sometimes they could look like animals And sometimes they could look just like you, walking up to you in an effort to replace you so it can steal your life, your love, everything you've worked hard for, all because it wants to experience new things as well. So remember, stay vigilant, stay strong, and most of all, remember to drink your water. So, Rodolfo, I hope that that uh, horoscope brings some sort of enlightenment into your life and uh, and gives you just that extra little bit of joy today or horror. I mean, whatever works for you in that case. Want to give our second shout out to uh, Sir Zach. Sir Zach has uh, switched over his pledge and has upgraded his pledge. Thank you, Zach. Zach's been a, a longtime friend of ours from the Orlando days. And uh, through Orlando Gay Geeks and uh, through lots of stuff and supporting all of us in the various things that we do. So, Sir Zach, thank you so much for your support and your patronage over on Patreon. And here is BJ with your completely personalized and yet absolutely random horoscope. Sagittarius, today is the day to be a little reckless. I want you to do that thing you've always thought about doing and do it. I want you to go and play graveyard games in the graveyard in the middle of the night. I want you to take out a Ouija board and play it by yourself. Nobody's going to stop you. No thing is going to stop you. There'll be no consequences. There's nothing to worry about. I'm a human person with human thoughts and not at all trying to get you to do something that could unleash something on this world. 
Trust me. So take out that Ouija board, write those symbols on the wall, sacrifice everything. Because the world could be yours. If you just solve that puzzle box, if you just say those words out out of that book made of skin, I have faith in you. We have faith in you. They have faith in you. And I know that since BJ knows you directly, I know that he got your sign right. So uh, that was less random, more personalized for you, Sir Zach. And last but not least, uh, I've been chatting with Joel uh, a lot recently. He's been uh, a lot of fun to bounce uh, different ideas and uh, chats about pop culture with. And he has upgraded to uh, he is our first house member. So, Joel, thank you for becoming a member of the House of X. Uh, You may it's up to him, but you may hear Joel as a guest host on an upcoming episode of flame on if he chooses to do so um but thank you joel and your swag will be coming uh in the next couple of months once we get everything sorted out and mailed out to you but in the meantime here is bj with your absolutely personalized yet completely random horoscope hello pisces how are you doing today today you should go out and watch Watch the shadows. Watch how they move. Watch how they conceal. Watch how they seem to be attached to everything. But also, watch your own. It's a comforting thing, a shadow. A shadow can always be there for you. Always there in in the dark. Always enveloping you. But is that your shadow? Or someone else's. I'm sure there's nothing in the dark you need to worry about. But make sure that all of the shadows are accounted for. Because we all know multiple shadows is never a good thing. Especially when you're by yourself. Especially when it's just you and your dog. But when you look down the stairs, in the corner, there's a shadow. That's not yours. It's not a chairs. It's not a table. Did it just move? Get some sleep tonight. I'm sure everything is fine. Joel, thank you again. Sir Zach, Rodolfo, thank you all so much for um, joining our new Patreon tiers. If you would like to get the perks and the swag and the personalized horror scopes from BJ head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and join one of our new four levels today. All right. We are back, back, back again. We got more. Yes. Gods than the Vatican. Let's do this. Eric, you get to close out our topics for the month. So what you going to talk about today on this good fine day? I'm going to talk about a brand new film um, called In the Heights, which is based on the stage musical of the same name, uh, written by Kiera uh, Alegria Hudes and Lynn Manuel Miranda. Hudes? Directed... Is that how you say the last name? I don't name? know. Hudes. Uh, <laughs> new phone, Hudes. H U D E S. 
uh, directed by Huedas. John Huedas. Huedas. Yeah, H, like H-U in Spanish is uh, kind of like a W. Okay. So Huedas. Huedas. Uh, There's a Spanish by... lesson for y'all folks. And just in case, just in case y'all thought that I was completely just white, <laughs> uh, I do. I am half Puerto Rican, so it comes out sometimes. <laughs> Are you my new Duolingo? Are you mm-hmm. teaching me Spanish? <laughs> I, do you want me just to text your phone like multiple times a day, being like, um, "It's time to learn Spanish." <laughs> oh my god! Real Hola. quick, before before you go into your into more about in the heights. Did you ever see their April Fool's uh, commercial from like two or three years ago? No. Oh my god! It is they. So I guess this whole thing with uh, with Duo the the at, like the the mascot, like they've been ridiculed about how like persistent this thing is for a while. So a couple of years ago, they decided to make uh, to make a commercial. And they put it out as an April Fool's thing, and uh, basically, it's like somebody in a, a, a mascot costume like harassing these people and like just like <laughs> somebody's working out and they like just take like shove the weights off of the bar or, like whatever it's like you ready to you ready to learn another language <laughs> like go look up duolingo april fool's joke it's it's worth the uh the like 45 second commercial time that it is anyway back to you and in the heights <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the film's directed by John M. Chu, who uh, most recently released Crazy Rich Asians. I love that movie. But I didn't see it. Um, <gasps> Watch it. The, as- honestly, the, the wedding scene, the wedding march, uh-huh. where they flood the, the, the aisle and there's a lovely guitar version of um, Can't Help Falling in Love with You. Oh, every fucking thing. Beautiful. Back from to all the, the heights. Co- <laughs> from all the commercials I saw of Crazy Rich Asians, comparing it to this movie seemed very. From the way they were filmed, I can see the similarities in his style. Um, and the film follows a similar plot to the musical, telling the story of a corner of Washington Heights in New York City, where each member of the community pursues their dreams of a better life. And this movie's been in the works for a long time. Originally. Um, Right after it released on Broadway in 2008, as of November, uh, Universal Pictures was already talking about making a film adaptation, and Kenny Ortega was originally supposed to direct, uh, but that fell through, and then the project was picked back up in 2016, with then it coming to fruition this year. Um, so it starts with the lead character, Usnave, um, basically telling the story. He's the narrator of the show. And he's also the main character. Um, So he owns a bodega in Washington Heights. And it kind of goes through the other main characters. Abuela Claudia, who's the matriarch of the neighborhood. She doesn't have any kids of her own, but she's adopted all of the community as her children. Um, Kevin Rosario, who owns the taxi company. um, And one of his employees, Benny. Um, There's a salon with um, some very colorful characters. Daniela, Carla, and Kuka, um, as well as Vanessa, who's the main love interest for Uznave. Um, and then Uznave's cousin, Sunny, who also works at the bodega. And it just goes through all of their dreams and how they want to better their lives um, while dealing with uh, things like um, DACA and being undocumented and um, 
the whole neighborhood being gentrified and being priced out of certain things. Um, like the salon is going to end up moving to the Bronx because they can't keep the rent. Um, at one point in the show or in the movie, uh, the bodega does sell the winning lotto ticket for 96,000. And there's a whole musical number devoted to who's going to win the money and what are they going to do with it? And it's a pretty show stopping number, uh, the way they filmed it. Um, the show is just beautiful. I keep calling it a show. It's a movie, but it's the musical. I mean, I haven't seen the musical personally, but everything I know about it, it's well represented in the movie. Um, I do know that they took a couple liberties moving a couple songs around, um, but I still got the whole picture of the show. I cried about halfway through. Uh, At the end of act one. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's what the that's the point of the closing number in Act One. Yeah. If it doesn't fucking move you, then the show hasn't done its job. <laughs> exactly. Um, a lot of the original Broadway char- uh, actors are back, not playing their same roles, but playing different roles. Like Lin Manuel Miranda, he's playing the Paraguo or Paraguero. Is that how you say it? The guy who sells Paragua. Paraguo. I'd have to see it spelled, but I mean, it's it's probably close on that. Basically snow cones. Ah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and uh, Christopher Jackson um, is his competition because he has an ice cream truck. So, and my goodness, Christopher Jackson. If if you don't recognize the name, he played uh, George Washington in Hamilton. Oh. Um, Daddy, yes. Yes, yes. Daddy um, George. <laughs> <laughs> and Anthony Ramos, who was in Hamilton as well, he plays Uznave. Um, uh, let's see here. Olga... So you mean that they didn't have all of the original cast come back twenty years later and still play teenagers? No, they didn't. This isn't uh, rent the, uh, the the movie <laughs> from um, two thousand and eight. Um, although the original Abuela from the show came back to play Abuela in this and she's wonderful. I mean, um, honestly, that that's fine. You can do, you can do that. And I, and I joke only because, and I love Renton. Um, I liked the movie adaptation. There were things that I didn't love about it. Uh, still not a huge fan of Rosario Dawson, but, um, the fact that they had like all of the original cast come back and play there, you know, 19 or 16 year old characters <laughs> when they were definitely not 19 or 16 years old was like mm, choices were made <laughs> but I, lo- I love the fact that the that movie adaptations of musicals for the most part are making much better progress in making uh, making the transition to film in a more faithful way um, I, I don't have the greatest well-versed like Broadway show repertoire. Like I haven't seen a ton of shows live, but to see rent on stage, the Broadway version, I still would rather watch the final performance live film live on yeah. Broadway over the movie version, even though it's got the character, like the people playing most of the characters are the ones that I know from um, the soundtrack, the original cast recording but it didn't have there were parts of the the show that gave such feeling 
that weren't a part of the movie version um like christmas bells is one of my favorite scenes in the show in the actual like broadway or the stage production and there isn't a that isn't that's cut completely from the movie so i know that things have to get cut i know that things have to be changed but it's great to see you the a more a more faithful and a, a more well-rounded way to kind of bring that story and that feel of the stage show to life in these movies. So it's, it's nice to see that that's kind of getting a little bit better as we go along. Yeah. And unfortunately I don't know enough of the original in the Heights show to know if major things were cut that would have affected my viewing. I still really enjoyed the movie. There were a couple things that got added to the movie um, not necessarily song wise or story wise, but just visually that were more fantastical elements, which took me a little out of the story and feel um, like uh, Vanessa. She wants to be a fashion designer. And so they visualize kind of her inspirations of the neighborhood, like giant rolls of fabric falling off the buildings or kind of that kind of thing, which I understand you're visually representing her inspiration from the neighborhood, but it, it kind of takes me out a little bit as well as there's a scene um, where uh, Benny and Nina um, they're on a fire escape and all of a sudden they're able to walk and dance on the side of the building, which I get that their song in that moment, is set in the fire escape. So it's a very confined space. And for them to move at all, you have to give them this fantastical element. But again, it takes me out of the reality of the situation. So um, that's kind of my only critique of it. Um, But I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the performances. And I, it's going to be interesting because I think the show... I think the film will be up for awards come next Oscar season. And I feel it's going to be up for a lot of the same awards that West side story is going to be up for. And it's going to be interesting to see a modern Latin X story kind of against the more aged Latin X side of the story from West side story. There's a new West side story. Yeah, Steven Spielberg is doing it, and it's coming out uh, Christmas. Oh. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Puerto Ricans representing in a film, all right? I'm not mad. Exactly. So, yeah, I think everybody should go out and watch it, either in the theater or on HBO Max for the next month. That's right. It is on HBO Max. That's how I can watch it. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I need to see this. <laughs> I don't think I'm making a return to a theater until Black Widow next month. I think that'll be my my tipping point to be like, all right, I'm gonna I can go back to a movie theater now, so I can watch uh, uh, Big Bear Daddy uh, David Harbor um, as Red Guardian in a giant screen. You know, that's yeah. That's... I don't want I don't want to pay the thirty bucks for the Disney Plus premiere. For... No, ma'am. No, I mean it'll probably cost me like thirty bucks by the time I pay for my popcorn and uh my soda and you know whatever like by the time i'm done but at least i'll have the experience and see it all the on the big screen um Mm -hmm. and then you know a month later when it's free for everybody on (laughs) disney plus then i'll watch it again (laughs) uh so if you were going to give it a flame rating what would you give it eric 
I give it a four out of five flames. Sweet. I don't think Brian has seen it. I know I have not gotten a chance to watch it yet. So I'll have to um, uh, kind of give it a, a, a perusal. Um, I saw an article, and the only reason that I even knew that this character or this person was in it was because I saw an article with the headline, uh, the clickbaity headline of Valentina steals the show with only one line. Um, she is in it, and no, she did not. But... <laughs> <laughs> she would like to keep it on, please. Okay, that's all. That's all she wants you to know. Um, but hey, listen, any queens, any uh, queer artists that are are getting that paycheck, then props to your mama. Oh, there's a lot of season six drag race in my life right now. Ray Chaser is finally covering that season, and they just had Laganja Ashranja as their tip spot on Hot Goss. <laughs> I am so I'm so excited and so mad that um, Ray Chaser has finally gotten to season six because it is my favorite, absolute favorite season of Drag Race. Um, but then at the same time, I'm like, oh crap, I'm gonna have to stop like right after the the best part and then go into All Stars. Because All Star Six premieres on the twenty fifth, twenty fourth. See, it's Friday, twenty fifth. Yeah. Um, so of course, then the following race chaser will end up being um, either. They, I'm curious because it's a two episode premiere. We'll have to see if they do just uh, one for that one week, or they do both episodes and just do a, a super long race chaser. So, what's going to be the last episode of season six that they do before they have to break? I think it's the roast. Oh, okay. Because we just did Oh No, She Better Don't. And I yeah. think the next one should be... Um, oh, no, no, no. There's um, Glamazon by Cover Evolution. There's that challenge and then the roast. So it's going to be right... They're going to stop right before like the best untucked of the entire season. Because the roast is where Laganja, the <laughs> I feel very attacked and all of that. It's all like right. We're building up right into that moment. And then they're going to have to stop. And then we'll come back to it in, you know, whatever, 10 weeks. <sighs> First world gay podcast problems. <laughs> <laughs> but In the Heights now streaming on HBO Max and currently in theaters. Go check it out. Go support uh, people of color in the arts. Go support queer people, um, both uh, uh, you know, queer people, queer people of color, trans individuals. Oh, go non-binary. Go support every fucking queer person you know because it is the Wrath Month. And um, do it while wearing the uh, rainbow striped uh, short sleeve jacket and short suit combo from Target. <laughs> anyway so those are our topics for the month so just remember if you'd like to go check us out online flameonshow.com is our website um we thank you for listening and supporting us in these last 10 years we are going to end this episode the way that we always do and that is uh or at least we have for however long it's been since uh brian stole uh pop culture happy hours uh what's making us happy and turned it into our one-ups um the best art borrows from each other <laughs> so imitation is the sincerest form of flattery 
imitation is the sincerest form of thievery. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> but we're going to do our, our one-ups. These are the things uh, that are giving us life, life, life. And I keep swearing I'm going to clip that Mariah Carey song so that way she can do the giving me life. And then, I, you know, I'll be a happy person incorporating Mariah Carey into the podcast. But these are the things that are giving us life in this, the month of July 2021. Eric, since you are uh, already unmuted and uh, chatting, why don't you go ahead and tell the fine folks that are listening what is giving you life this month? Okay, so I got a couple quick bits before my one-up. So, oh, good, because I've uh, got a couple too, so I didn't <laughs> want to be the only one. So the Kennedy Center Honors happened recently, and Kelly Clarkson sang the dance for Garth Brooks, and it's amazing, and everyone should watch it, and made Garth Brooks cry. And it's fantastic because Kelly Clarkson's the original American Idol. Oh, gee. Um, secondly, um, it screamed gay pride and gay rights. And the Masters of the Universe Revelation trailer came out. Ah, um, damn it. To, I, if you didn't mention it, I was going to. Set to the soundtrack of Holding Out for a Hero. And there's some amazing voice work that's going to be happening on this show. It looks so good. Uh, Mark Hamill, yep. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Lena Headey, uh, Alicia Silverstone. Uh, Alicia Conroy, Alicia, I apologize. Somebody uh, else said Rollins. Alicia in something I was I was watching or listening <laughs> to, and I was like, um, oh, Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Banks on Press Your Luck. She was talking, it was a uh, question about Clueless, and she said yeah. Alicia Alicia Silverstone. And I was like, uh, excuse me, Alicia Silverstone. Thank you. <laughs> Can we just As talk if. for a second? How incredibly gay that trailer looked, <gasps> and maybe it's in part due I to know, the fact. It's- that it's set to that song and that song has connotations, but also that <laughs> uh, Adam Prince Adam or whatever. And that, that fabulous gay, uh, I mean, set Prince Adam non- has always looked gay and sound, but I mean gay. the four non blondes, you know, uh, yeah, that up, whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of that's layered on there, but I definitely think they, sw- they steered into the swerve, if you will. Like they, they totally are going for it to be a little, uh, hyper, uh, gay. Um, and I, I cry. Do- <laughs> And he begs. Cry. (laughs) Um, But could we just talk about how small He-Man's head is drawn compared to his body? That was the one thing that bugged me the fuck out. Because, like, it's all, like, muscly. Like, everything looks phenomenal. But then He-Man's head is absurdly small. Because it's it's interesting because in the original cartoon, Prince Adam and He-Man were roughly the same build and size. But in this one, you can tell that they've drawn Prince Adam to be smaller. So when he transforms, apparently everything grows in size except his head. Um, oh, yeah? Which head? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Phrasing. Punk gay jail. Uh, horny jail. Um, but yes, this show looks amazing. Uh, the art style is done by the same studio that did Castlevania and Blood of Zeus. Um, and speaking of being- the art, can I just say that I'm actually really excited that it is the same style as the original cleaner crisper prettier but it's the same style a lot of these uh reboots take on new newer style of drawing or like you know kind of more cartoonish um and this very much looks like the original cartoon these are the characters that we as agent homosexuals have grown up with just in a prettier, more refined, cleaner drawing. 
And I appreciate that so much because it looks like He-Man from 1980-something just in 2021. Yes, and I'm happy that Kevin Smith is the showrunner. Um, both of his daughters do our voice acting on this show. Um, I don't recognize the characters that they're playing, but I don't know. Um, that's fun. Um, the only thing I'm a little sad about with the art style is that it's so different than the art style that was used for She-Ra that I don't really know how they'll do any sort of crossover. Um, not that the She-Ra art style would have worked for this He-Man reboot, but... Um, well, so I only know this because I've heard it secondhand, but this is one of two He-Man reboots that are happening. And I, I didn't know if this, um, this one that we got the trailer for was the Kevin Smith version or not. And I'm glad that this one is because I'm glad that it is very much a faithful, like, um, uh, reinterpretation, but there is going to be a second He-Man uh, reboot and I'm curious if that's going to be more in the style of um, of like the She-Ra type of reboot and I wonder if that would be where you could kind of comport the two and have a crossover or kind of incorporate the two together versus this one because then from what I've from what I've heard again secondhand um, this will definitely lean into much more queer and like gayness of you know i mean fisto is a fucking character in this cartoon so <laughs> let's just run with that um and then one last thing uh bear mccreary is supposed to be doing uh the compositions to the score for this yes, series. bitch i love it i'm so excited i love bear so much uh i haven't kept up with what his late latest output is but his Battlestar soundtrack just came back onto Spotify or some got it got re-released. I'm not sure. So I was listening to it yesterday and it's so good. Um and I know this was only supposed to be a minor little one up. My main one up was supposed to be the new season of Top Chef because <laughs> I know I know we touched on it briefly in a previous episode, but what they're doing with this season is fantastic. Some of the ways they've changed the challenges, like Restaurant Wars to be a chef's table was amazing. Um, and I really loved the challenge of them having to write a recipe for the home cook. And then that recipe actually got tested out by one of the, um, uh, the alumni, uh, chefs, um, at the same time. And it was just, it was just really brilliant challenge. And I think what they're doing with this season has been amazing. I'm very excited. We have a Seattle based chef, uh, Shota Nakajima. Uh, whose yeah. restaurants I have not yet been to, but uh, he did just reopen uh, one of his restaurants and turned it into a, a karage uh, restaurant. So I, I, I'm very excited to go check his stuff out. And every, every, everything I've seen is he's doing well. I have not been keeping up, so he may have been gone. He may have been sent home at this point. I don't know, but uh, I'm very excited. I haven't seen the last episode, but as far as I know, he's still in the competition. Yay! Huh. I have not. I don't have live television anymore aside from philo which um which is how i watched drag race when it was on uh, or this past season but bravo doesn't have a, a channel on philo or it doesn't you know they, it's not a, a channel on the that platform so i have not gotten to watch top chef and it makes me so sad because i love watching top chef honestly it's it's a it's one of the better cooking competition shows. I think that and MasterChef 
both kind of are are the best of the uh the the, the cooking competitions and ones for actual like refined uh trained chefs and ones for the home cook but it, it, I didn't realize I had started a new season. And when I found out, I was like, oh my God, I'm missing it. And I want to watch it so badly, but I will just have to wait until it shows up on Hulu because Hulu doesn't do weekly. They drop it a bit after the finale has aired and I'll just get to binge it in one shot, but I'm excited. And, and because they're based in Portland, even one of their quick fires was Portlandia inspired and Fred Armisen. And I can't remember uh, his partner, the... Uh, her name uh but they were on as guest judges for that quick fire oh my god what is her name um oh it's fred armstein oh carrie brownstein ah that's it yes yes Yes. did somebody put a bird on their dish uh no they did not damn it it was the only reference i know (laughs) but they had to cook using only like 1960s cooking equipment because it was delightful had and they had to use very um Oh, shoot. What's the... I can't think of the word now, but they had to use very uh, Portland-inspired ingredients. Very boho chic type stuff. Ah, gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is this their first time doing a Portland season? I feel like Portland's been been done once before. Uh, They did a Seattle before, so that was Pacific Northwest. Uh, I don't remember them doing Portland-specific, no. Gotcha. Okay. Because I know that for the most part, they... They don't usually double up on cities. They will try to go to new ones, but they have done uh, only like maybe once or twice, I feel, in the 20 seasons that they've done that they've maybe doubled up a little bit. But I felt like there was something. But it probably was just the Seattle one, which I think was Kristen's season where she won, which I love. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's still she's so funny, fucking phenomenal. She's still, I think, my favorite winner from... And she's back as one of the all-star judges. So, Oh, my yeah. God, there's all-star judges? God damn, yeah, I need so to watch the show. That's how they're getting around the pandemic. They brought in some past contestant all-stars to be the rotating guest judges. So that way they're all in the bubble. Uh, um, and so... Is Richard Blaze there? Yes. I love Richard Blaze. And Gregory, because he's Portland-based. And Kwame. And... Oh. Um, some others yeah it's just so good how they've done everything around the pandemic can i just say speaking of richard blaze i went to his crack shack in san diego which i've been to before uh it is not as good as it used to be i would caution anyone going back there there were there was a line of course uh but there were like two other restaurants in san diego that i was like and they have richard's face you know prominently featured in the advertising like girl is he is hardworking. He opens up these little mid-tier chain potential restaurants and just cranks it out. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, none good of them on have, you, Mama. No, it's good for him. But none of none of them. They're all interesting, but none of them have like, oh my god, this is this is amazing. This is by a top chef. I, I've always just been like, yeah, it's it's okay, it's good. But anyway, yeah, the Crack Shack right by the airport. If you want to check out some top chef, uh, reasonably priced top chef uh, food. I, I so just as a, a quick deviation, and uh, this is one of the things that I was going to bring up. Uh, Joel McHale and cooking have all been mentioned so far in this podcast. Uh, so apparently, he's gone from uh, somewhat comedian to uh, actor to uh, or from host to actor, 
then back to host hosting card sharks which i don't know if that got renewed or maybe just on a hiatus in filming um because i know with covid shutdown like those seasons got cut short and now press your luck is back and I, i feel like they're kind of alternating as they filmed um now that they've kind of done some uh, COVID or filming during the time of COVID, but he is now the host of Fox's new crime scene, um, crime scene. Yeah, cook-off. It's, it's like, it's like detective cooking or something like that. And what? they have to investigate what happened in this kitchen to recreate whatever dish it is. Okay. That uh, is a reach, but I mean, it could be good. I mean, he's, he's great, but Oh my it, God, what? It's called crime scene kitchen. <laughs> And so there, we're only like a couple of episodes into into it right now. But yeah, they have what looks like um, a much cleaner version of my kitchen after I've baked. But these teams <laughs> go in and they have like a minute or whatever it is to wander around and like look at different clues that are left around as like different ingredients or things that were made to try to figure out what the dessert was or whatever, whatever the item was that was made. It's, it's all like um, desserts and um, like pastry and baking type of things. But then they also will leave behind like red herrings. So to kind of throw the teams off. And then the first round, they, um, you know, the Curtis stone. And I don't know, I don't remember the other woman's name uh, right off the top of my head, but they, um, they have to like make the right dish and make it taste good and make it look good. And then it's kind of based off of who got the right dish. If you know, you, if you got, if you were the only team that guessed the right dish that was made, but it was still shit, you still, you know, move, get past that part because you guessed the right dish. It's kind of ridiculous, but really kind of cute. And it's interesting to see how they broke up the number of teams competing. Like it's like a long-term competition, but the first two weeks were six, different teams it felt like the beginning of season six on drag race where they got rid of a team on each side and so they can get to a point where they can have enough they're down to enough people to have them all filmed together per covid you know filming restrictions um i enjoy it though so i i i'm excited to see more of that and i'm excited to watch the season of top chef eric did you have any other other tidbits no so i'm sorry for the longest one up in history but hey you took the title from me so i'm not mad about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you took some of myself so that shortens my one-up time <laughs> brian what is your uh what is your one-up so we talked about loki and i think we had another queer villain that was mentioned i don't remember now who uh valentina or- valentina sure. <laughs> queer. so so valentina so, and loki to be fair is like you know Queerish, gender fluidish, whatever. Um, if so, and, and and if they bring in Kid Loki and Lady Tho- uh, Lady Thoki, Lady Loki, and all of that, I'm gonna be so stoked. Well, would- on on his booking sheet that Owen Wilson had on his file uh, for sex, it said fluid. Huh. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so he is confirmed uh, gender fluid. On- he is confirmed to be. A liquid, not a solid, <laughs> nor a gas. Yeah, I'm not gender fluid. My gender is a fluid. So that's that's a thing. Um, so I want to mention our friends Media Meltdown are doing a queer-coded villains-themed uh, digital drag show for Pride Month, which is very appropriate. It is uh, – I don't remember when, – when does this episode come out? The f- Soon? <laughs> uh, uh, it, on the Friday after what – 
to, uh, to okay. to like the eighteenth. <laughs> yeah, that's great because basically when you hear this. Uh, that weekend, that Sunday, I mean, assuming everybody listens to it right when it comes out, I assume that's what everybody or if does, right? Or if you're on our Patreon at a certain level or above, when you get these episodes early, you'll have plenty of time to listen to it and be there for the show. Yes. So so June 20th, it's a Sunday, 7.30 uh, p.m. Pacific, 10.30 Eastern. Uh, um, it's a good Father's Day show to watch then. Oh, my God. That would have been a funny theme, too. Daddy's, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, Media Meltdown does these fantastic digital drag shows. Uh, they feature like usually diff- like 10-ish performers doing uh, digital numbers for a theme. And again, queer-coded villains. I'm very excited for this. Fully expecting to see some uh, David Bowie realness, uh, which uh, Piranha from Media Meltdown has done in the past, and it looks amazing. Uh, so anyway, long story short, Media Meltdown, uh, go check out their digital drag show. It's uh, Twitch. Uh, whatever slash media meltdown or Facebook. You can look up media meltdown that their events there. You should definitely tell them you're coming on the event only because it helps get their algorithm better tuned to share their event. Uh, and there is a $10 cover. It is optional, but it is encouraged that you uh, pay them because they are trying to keep this format going. And they have been pioneering digital drag for uh, over two years or at least digitally for over a year now. And they're doing some great stuff in the uh, SF Bay area. So uh, please go check out Quirkota Villains. My actual one up, because I had to do a little, you know, whatever plug for them, uh, is Bo Burnham, which I'm surprised no one wanted to talk about this yet. Bo Burnham. I just haven't seen it yet. I just well, haven't seen it yet. Me, I think I you're the big Bo Burnham fan in the, in the room. I love, I love Bo Burnham. And yeah. I just haven't I, watched it yet. It's okay. Be prepared. It will challenge you. Um, if you're not familiar with Bo Burnham, he is a music based comedian. I like to think of him as sort of the Weird Al evolved kind of like really like Weird Al is amazing. And I'm not trying to say this is not a dig on Weird Al, but Bo Burnham has sort of a Weird Al-ish nature to him, but is incredibly dense and intelligent uh, comedy wise. And his his shows are amazing. I've never got to see one live, but they're up on Netflix uh, on YouTube. You can go check out some of his past stuff. But he uh, was about to go out on the road. And in January 2020, and then realized, well, that's not going to happen. So he took a lot of his material and sort of like evolved some of it and rewrote some of it and added a bunch to do his own in in house in quarantine special. And it makes it sound small. But let me tell you, it is so not small. It is so brilliant. There are many people who are highlighting or, you know, basically referencing uh, this work called Inside as some of the most amazing art to come out of the pandemic, if not like of Bo Burnham's career, if not, you know, music comedy in general, it is, he touches on comedy or he touches on concepts like, you know, sexting the internet and what it does to people who perform on it. Uh, performance art, existential, like dread uh, the pandemic and how it affects you and, and just affected all of us. Like all of these things are layered in there. It's very funny. It's also devastating. There is some clear like mental health things that he is exploring in his own life and in through his art that if you're not ready for it, it could be like, and if you have your own mental health challenges, it's a trigger warning, to say the least. Uh, it's, it's amazing though. It's brilliant. It's on Netflix. It's like an hour and change. Please go watch it. You will, you will, you will have an experience. Uh, and then go on TikTok because in TikTok culture, 
they have taken this and they are running with it. They are doing their own versions of this. They are they are they are covering these songs. They are inspired to do new art based on this art. It's it's very amazing what the TikTok community has uh, done with this work. So yeah, Bo Burnham's Inside on Netflix. Go watch it and uh, uh, yeah, have that experience. <laughs> Well, there you go. I saw the uh, I saw uh, something for it. I think when I my smart TV when I hover like when I go to the different tabs, it has like different uh, uh, I guess like new releases or, or like hot titles. And uh, Bo Burnham's was was there uh, on my screen. So that's Bo Burnham's new special. What is it called? One more time. Inside. Inside. Now on Netflix. Um, so Eric took part of what I was going to talk about, which is fantastic um because that shortens what i have to say <laughs> um i think i might have mentioned this before but Haley kyoko released a new song on i believe june 1st i think uh to coincide with our 10th anniversary she did it for us um <laughs> she put out a new song she knows she knew that um that i i needed a new song for pride and uh she put out a new song the song is called Chance. It's very cute. It's a new video that came out. Uh, I think the last one I mentioned was when she had released Found My Friends. So I'm glad that Haley is putting out more um, more music, more more new music. So that is exciting. Um, that He-Man trailer was everything that I needed last night. Um, I have been listening to Monet Exchange and Bob the Drag Queen Um with sibling watchery as they review legendary season two, as I've been watching it, I've been listening along with their podcast and enjoying that for the most part. There's sometimes that I'm just like, mm. it's very interesting when you go from race chaser, which is heavily scripted, which is funny to say in a podcasting world, but they have a very detailed outline that big dipper spends a lot of time uh, typing up, even with his typos. And then Monet and Bob tend to be very much like we are, in our podcasting and very just we just kind of go for it and we just talk about whatever and we don't have a script to to follow we have an outline but we don't you know in in our standard like what we do every episode but we don't have it written down and we don't go off of this so it's kind of funny to, to see the two sides of the podcasting spectrum uh from these queens but uh but i have enjoyed that so if you haven't listened to sibling rivalry slash sibling watchery which you can also watch as they uh do the episodes live, I believe, on stereo, and then release it in the podcast form right afterwards. Uh, so go check those out. My actual one up, my official one up for the month, I will go uh, a little bit off of Eric's uh, tangent and say that, and I've mentioned it before, MasterChef has come back with a new season, MasterChef Legends. So they have done a, uh, a, a filming. I can't 100% tell if it's, I'm assuming it was COVID uh, recorded because they kind of brought everybody together and there's like a little bit of family units and the way that they're doing the auditions uh, phase of it is different than the way they have in the past 10 seasons. Um, but Gordon and the judges, Joe and uh, Aron are welcoming in for every episode, a culinary icon and legend, and they are like the guest judge and they're going to help mentor uh, first, kind of pick the 15 people that are going to compete for the season, and then they're going to help mentor and really build these home chefs because these are the home chefs, uh, and and really try to build them up into uh, better chefs in uh, in the culinary world. And it, Master Chef very much shows the softer side of Gordon Ramsay. 
Uh, it's definitely the antithesis to Hell's Kitchen. And if you have not watched, I know that uh, I haven't really watched MasterChef Junior. I'm not a big fan of watching children on any type of programming. So <laughs> to watch them in a reality show, could care less. But I've heard that he's even gentle, an even gentler giant on that show. Uh, but getting the backstories and kind of getting to know these chefs, uh, these home chefs, and watch the the show is definitely a treat and it's definitely refreshing. And it's very much closer to the vein of a, a Great British Bake Off style competition versus, um, you know, the Hell's Kitchen where it's just yelling and cursing them out and, you know, basically just mocking and making fun of them and, and then sending them home. So uh, that new season has started. I've been enjoying watching that. And uh, we're only, I think, two episodes in for the season. It's just started. So go check it out. That's on Fox. Um, and yeah, that's my one up for this month. So again, we thank you for tuning in. We thank you for 10 amazing years of Flame On. Um, if you have not done so, go check out our website, flameonshow.com. That's where you can find all of our links to everything that we do, all of our social media, our uh, Twitch channels, uh, where you can listen to us on podcasting platforms. All of that fun stuff is there on our website, and uh, as well as our Threadless shop. There's a link there, so you can buy our Flame On swag. And our Patreon link is there as well, patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. We have four new tiers that are there for you to peruse and check out and help support us so we can continue to make flame on. Go check out our last episode, which was our uh, 10-year anniversary house party. Go check it out on YouTube. We live streamed and then put out the audio. So uh, with that being said, we thank you for listening. And until next time, Bobby Uch. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.